Welcome to Quantum Leap, the podcast that explores how we achieve new heights in leadership, business, and our lives. I'm David Wolf, joined as always with the Quantum Leap Catalyst. He is Terry Ostroviak. Terry, great to be back with you. Hi, David. Good day. Absolutely. Good times for us. And, uh, you know, we're all involved in what we're involved with, and we have our sort of close comfort zone areas that we operate in on a daily manner. But I know you have some really interesting material and thought uh, that relates to Quantum Leap around expanding our comfort zones so that we can be more effective. So I guess that's what we're going to take on today, right? Exactly. When we talk about Quantum Leap activity or Quantum Leap thinking, um, we're talking about, in fact, expanding comfort zones because we get comfortable doing things. So we look at things that we are comfortable with and our lives are so habitually oriented that uh, every day we're involved in procedures or, or, or ways of doing things that we've done a million times. If we're driving to work, we take the same route or route, sometimes people would say, yes. uh, every day. And we do the same thing when we come home and we come back at a certain time and we eat a certain kind of food. And we eventually, from, from living inside a comfort zone, the comfort zone shrinks in size. There's no challenge in it. It's kind of meaningless, and it's it's important that we do that because otherwise we'd have to be consciously thinking of every single step that we take and everything that we say, and it would be very draining for us to do that. Yeah. On the other hand, there are some important steps that we need to take. If we're talking about quantum leap, we have to do something differently. It implies leaping into the unknown, challenging ourselves to do things we wouldn't normally do. So today what I really would like to discuss are a number of steps that we could take that would help each one of us to take a leap into an unknown area and prepare ourselves for a quantum leap. Fabulous. So if you have got a pen or a notebook handy, this would probably be very useful at this time. Excellent. I've got mine ready. A, right. So we talk about a comfort zone. And our objective in life, frankly, is what the psychologists often call the process of becoming. What it means is becoming the kind of person we would really like to be. Not the kind of person that, uh, you know, that we think of ourselves as with a million different complexes or a number of different limitations that we've got or something that holds us back. We would like to eliminate those things and move forward and feel comfortable with ourselves. Um, that in itself is a comfort zone. So this is a very dynamic process. From one day to the next, it could change dramatically. Some days, you know, we would we would just take the easy way out. And we'd say, what a comfortable day I had today. But we didn't achieve a great deal from having a comfortable day. So we would launch ourselves into an administrative function, not talk to people who we know we should be talking to, for instance, mm. um, because, it's, because that's going to take us outside of our comfort zone. So we end up avoiding anything that might stretch us in any way. So this is what we're going to do right now. We're saying, how can we stretch this comfort zone so that we have more challenging things in it than we would normally consider? 
And this is what we start with. Just draw in your mind for a moment a circle or a cycle. A circle would be the thing. And around the top part of the circle, and I'll just refer to it like a clock. It's like a round clock. Uh, 12 o'clock to 3 o'clock would be the word attitude. What kind of attitude would we need to have in order to make this comfort zone grow? So here's step number one then. The first thing we need to do is to recognize that in our lives we are often driven by things we need to do. We don't have a choice. We have to drink a certain amount of liquid in any one day. We have to make sure that we eat a certain amount every day to, to be healthy. We have to go to bed at a certain time or at least have a certain number of hours that I'm not going to determine for anybody what that length of time is. But there are certain needs that drive us. So the first thing we need to do is to sort of say, well, what are parts of our comfort zone? If I'm running a workshop like I've done many times on this particular subject, I'd ask the audience to write down what are some of the things we need to do every day that don't cause us any stress or anxiety because it's just that's what's inside the comfort zone and it's easy. On the other hand, we get to our next step in the process, which simply means as an attitude, what is it we really want to do? What kind of things would we like to stretch ourselves to do? For instance, if you're in the sporting field, you would know that you could reach a certain standard or a certain level of, of, of expertise. But you know that if – and everybody knows this – if we need to become better at it, we, we, we have to put inordinate hours of practice into it of some kind and have an attitude that says, even although this is challenging, I really want to do it. And so we would identify some things that we want, things that emotionally are satisfying, not just the logic that we have. Okay. And then the next question we ask ourselves is, what can we do? Now, in, in days gone by, years previously, if let's imagine a, a, a swimming teacher would be teaching a group of kids to swim. He'd line them up on the edge of the pool and he'd walk behind them, and he would simply push them into the water. Mm -hmm. Some would swim. Some might drown. Others would be gasping for breath and spluttering and having a real problem. And somebody might even hesitantly say, well, that's called motivation. <laughs> them right. Stick them in the deep end and see how they cope. Well, we can't do that anymore especially with, uh, with a new generation of young people coming in. That sort of style of training doesn't work anymore, throwing people in the deep end. I remember when I first started to sell in the printing industry, my boss, I went to him one day and I said, okay, what is it exactly that I will be selling and what sort of things should I be saying? He said, I haven't got the foggiest idea. Just go out there and sell. Right. Boy, was that a deep end for me. So, of course, the very first decision I made was, who cares about me and is not going to make an idiot of me when I go in and I tell them that I'm wanting to, to talk to them about printing? Right. <laughs> I didn't have any idea what I was going to discuss with them. Printing is such a vast subject. So I would ask a simple question like, do you have any printing needs? And, of course, they would say no. Nobody's sitting there waiting for me to come in. <laughs> right. <laughs> And so, you know, They're that, that question is, um, you know, when we're training or developing people, they have to believe that they can do something. 
And the best way to do the training is to give them a bit of preparation, put them through their paces a little bit, get them asking certain questions, things right. like that. Right, that whole interest there. generators, et cetera, yeah. Right. And you and I both know, David, that if somebody says, I can't do this, they are 100% right. Right. Because if Just, they have verbalized the fact that they can't, they have an attitude that I can't do that, how many times do we hear somebody say, I can't do that? And they are 100% right. Absolutely. So we need to have people say, of course I can. Of course I I, I mean, <laughs> if I really put my mind to it and I had a bit of training, I, there are lots of things I could be doing that I don't do. Right. So the third step or the third question we ask ourselves is, what do I feel I can do to expand my comfort zone? When we talk about quantum leap thinking, the whole idea behind that is most people say, I could never do that. We give them a goal that's way beyond anything they've ever thought of as a possibility. And today there are organizations that are developing uh, procedures and ways of doing things that are so far beyond anything we've ever even thought of as a possibility before. People like Elon Musk, who's talking about taking people into space, into Mars. Right. No, he's with X, X, SpaceX, it's called. And SpaceX, so Elon Musk has developed a program called SpaceX, and his objective was to send rockets into space to the European, to the space agency, the International Space Agency, right. with the express purpose that they would come back and land in one piece and be able to be reusable. Up to now, that's, that hasn't been done, although he's had a couple of successes so far, and he's had a few failures. So failure is part of the process. Sure. So the can-do part of it says, I'm going to fail him maybe a few times, and that's okay, but I'll work at it until eventually I'll be a, I'm able to do that. It was like the four-minute mile barrier many years ago when Roger Bannister broke the first four-minute mile with a group of special professionals behind him. And that hadn't been done in, I don't know, ever before. You can say 50 to 100 years, nobody's had ever run a, a mile as fast as anything near four minutes. But within a few weeks, John Landy from Australia broke the four-minute barrier as well. And after that, a whole train load of people started to do that because all of a sudden something that nobody believed was possible because everybody was saying I can't do that or they could never do that suddenly saw somebody do it and then everybody started to do it and today you don't even think about it and that's really what happens so the can do is a very important part and then the final step in having the right attitude is the question when will I do it and when? that means that we set a yeah. goal for ourselves. So those are the first four steps in the process. Then we go down to the the piece on the clock, which says from uh, three o'clock down to six o'clock. And we talk about that as being the knowledge area. And we would explore things like various problems that we've got, various needs, various solutions that we could come up with. And this is what a lot of people do. They start doing a great deal of study. I had a friend at one time, actually came from Oklahoma, and he said, think and don't do it, do and do it. His name was Eddie, and Eddie Snow. He, he, that, that was what he used to say. Uh -huh. And I just thought about that. You know, there are a lot of people that uh, I'm not suggesting for a minute we don't plan, but Eddie said, uh, sitting and thinking about this is not going to get it done. Do and do it. And right. so he was 
put his mind to it and he'd get out there and he would make it happen. And he would throw himself into the unknown and uh, he was very, very good in doing that. But people think that if we know about something, it's automatically a fact that we can do it. Well, that's not true. We know that. People will spend years studying, developing and becoming absolute experts on a subject and never get out of their front door to do it. Uh-huh. So there's obviously something more that's needed. And so we go, and I'm I'm speeding through this because it's a whole process that takes a long time to develop, but I'm giving you the bones of it today. Sure. The next step from 6 o'clock to 9 o'clock is what they call practice, putting things into practice, actually the doing part of the process. And in doing that, We all are learning today that there are a lot of experts out there. There are coaches for every single sports team imaginable, and there are experts in the particular subject. And what basically what they do is they help us get in the right frame of mind. Mm -hmm. They also make sure that we stick to the schedule that we've set for ourselves, or they set the schedule for us. But one thing that really makes sense Many years ago in the Professional Golfers Association, the U.S. PGA, there was a psychologist by the name of Dr. Gary Wiren, W-I-R-E-N. And one of the things he said is the word, the phrase that everybody uses is practice makes perfect. And I hate to say this, but that's actually a bit of a myth because we have to adapt that phrase. Practice does not make perfect. Right practice makes right perfect. Oh, yes, yes, yes. The quality of practice, in other words. Quality of practice. If we're practicing the wrong way to do things, like, so for instance, when I started to play golf for the very first time and having heard this, I said to myself, I've got to have a professional coach who knows what they're doing, who will put me through my paces first. There's no point in me going out and thinking that I can teach myself. Very few people can do that. The only golfer, I think, on the professional tour at the moment is Bubba Watson. Never had a lesson in his life. Just naturally knew what to do and makes adjustments and doesn't travel with a coach. It's remarkable. But he's one in a million, maybe one in 20 million or 50 million. Uh-huh. For the mere mortals like us, we, <laughs> we really do need – somebody to work with us to go through the process. So if we're going to practice, we've got to make sure that we're practicing the right shots at the right time in the right environment. And having a coach really speeds up the process and ensures that we don't waste a great deal of energy. And then we just go ahead and we do it again and again and again. Recently, I was watching a show on TV where they were explaining why the Korean women, I did mention it in one of the other shows we did, are so good, these Korean women at playing golf. And the reason is because they practice under the tutelage of good coaches seven hours a day, seven days a week. Well, how are you going to beat a, a bunch of people that were, that are so committed and will follow through with that sort of, of, of commitment to, to being successful? And that's the answer. And you can say whatever you want. They're small in stature. They hit the ball further than most. And they are almost machine-like in their approach to what they do. So when we talk about practice, we're talking about the right kind of practice Absolutely. under the guidance of a coach. What does a coach do? A coach speeds up the process and makes sure that we focus on doing the right things, not waste a lot of time having to unlearn. And I'll give you another example. 
And I went to the Netherlands. Uh, they have a language there that they call Dutch. <laughs> in South Africa, we used to speak Afrikaans. It wasn't my home language because I was more English-speaking. But that Afrikaans is, a, is, a, is derived originally from the Dutch language. The only trouble is that it got caught in a bit of a time warp and is about 400 years old now. So when I went to the Netherlands, I thought, well, I'll just speak a bit of Afrikaans. I'll pick up Dutch quite easily because many of the words are similar. And after talking to a few people in Afrikaans, I found them laughing at me. They said, oh, this is so funny. I said, what's funny about it? He said, well, your word order is completely wrong, and we don't understand what you're talking about. Some of the words sound familiar, but we don't know what it is. So I had to unlearn my Afrikaans <laughs> in order to learn Dutch. One of the hardest things to do is to unlearn something. Yes. So when we've been doing something in a certain way for years and years and years, and it's impinged on our mind and on our memory, our muscle memory, and then all of a sudden have to put that aside and start learning something new, that becomes a major issue. So for those of you who think you can do that, who can, who can uh, practice on your own and don't need any help or guidance, good luck to you. But I know differently for me that doesn't work. So if we go out there and we practice the right things again and again and again and again, then we move from the 9 o'clock position to the 12 o'clock position, and the, the, the word that we would put in there is the word skill. When we talk about skill, is K-R-L-L, -L, mm. it means that we have practiced the right things so often that it becomes second nature. It means we have trained at it, we've worked at it, we're doing it at home, we're doing it at work, and in social situations, we're developing ourselves. So the successful application of the process actually helps us to develop improved habits. When we go through the cycle and we get to the 12 o'clock position, what does it mean? It means that we have expanded the comfort zone. And so the cycle is just a little bit bigger than it was previously. And you think, well, that's all we have to do. No. It's a never-ending pursuit of challenging ourselves. Keyword, challenging ourselves. That's how we become really good at it. So let's take you, for instance, at the moment, David. Mm -hmm. you, you've just recently gone into the real estate field and, and, and the financial area. Yes. And, and here you are having to stretch yourself like crazy. You had to do exams. You had to make sure that you got all the basics right. The people that you work with are giving you a great deal of training in this field. You're bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, ready to go out there and conquer the world. Yes. And every day you've got to keep working at the basic skills until you get so used to it that you can start focusing even more on your customer and your customer's needs. And that's really how virtually everything that we do, do everything that we do needs that kind of commitment and that level of practicing. That kind of attitude, understanding what we're doing and, develop, and in, in very, inevitably developing a skill that nobody can ever take away from us again. That's how it works. And so those are the starting points in becoming a quantum leap thinker. Anybody who thinks that they can attain goals that are way outside of their comfort zone without going through that process is mad. It just will not happen on its own. It requires a, a platform of solid doing the right things, getting to a point where we're ready for the next launch. 
that's how it works. Oh, so beautiful. Escaping our comfort zones and escaping. Expanding is probably the better word, right? And, yes. Um, yeah. We can't and, escape it, but we could expand well, it. But we can expand the sphere. And I love this visual that you've uh, – you've uh, shared with us today and and look it's comforting to know that there is a a best practice there's a way there's a sequence of events and processes that we can follow to exercise this muscle of comfort zone comfort (laughs) and expand it beyond our wildest dreams of course when i first started working with you uh and we i said uh, i and i heard the words quantum leap it it was uh, we talked about other clients you've you've served uh, doing things that were totally unimaginable, and we've told some of those stories in this series. So, um, uh, of course, to get to that place, you've got to have this elasticity, this this process to make your comfort zone elastic. So, really appreciate uh, this material today, Terry. For those listening, we're glad you're with us. Remember, you can send uh, Terry an email at terry t e r r y at q l cat dot com, or you can visit the website, which is one and the same www.qlcat.com and uh, Terry as always such a brilliant time together with you and to our listeners thanks for joining us we'll see you again next uh, time and uh, you can find this and many other podcast experiences just like it covering the world the universe that Terry lives in called Quantum Leap Uh, and uh, he is of course the Quantum Leap Catalyst Terry we'll see you next time thank you very much David I look forward to it Thank you.